and welcome to episode 169, nice, of the NFL Scotland podcast, your official homeopathy cure for boredom. My name is Cameron Hobbs. Let's get the flags out to celebrate the fact it's episode 169 will feature more flags than a Chicago Bears game. I'm Paul Mitchell. And as ever recently, we can't get rid of them. We are joined once again by Gordon McGuinness and Charles Parson. Evening, gents. Evening. Yeah, Charles is staying quiet. It's probably for the best. Right, we are going to... We've been sticking to a kind of new routine for the for the podcast recently, and I think it's been working pretty well, so we're going to stick with this. We're going to get straight in and kick off with our award nominations, because that allows us to look back at what was a rather eventful week nine. Lots of things coming up that we didn't expect. A few things that we did. Some of us more than others. We'll get to all that, I'm sure. But let's kick off right away by uh, looking at the Loch Lomond Whiskey Belter of the week. And, and there's actually quite a few nominations for this one as well. There are, there's maybe a, a couple of clear standouts, but let's let's cover off some of the names that have been put forward. So Brian Milne straight up goes in with the Arizona Cardinals thumping the 49ers without Murray Green, Hopkins and Edmonds. Stunning. Paul Marnie in a similar ilk gives it to Colt McCoy. Stepped in for the injured Kyler Murray and made it look easy against the 49ers. One of the best backups in the league, proving he can still sling it. So, I guess we'll stop there because I'm not going to get away with this. Yes, the 49ers were absolutely rotten. Uh, and I think I am now firmly in Charles's Shanahan's got to go chat. I think he's tiny. There we go. That's, that's the background you want. Works well on a podcast. Um, the old Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah, let's dig into this because this is the story of the week. Who gives a toss about homeopathy? Shanahan's a disaster. This is not the story of the week. No, believe me, it's the story of the week because it will become the story of the year um, when they finally wake up and realise that he's a fraud. And I've been saying this for weeks and weeks and weeks. And finally, Cameron's seen the light. I'm glad because that's what happens when you draft a quarterback and create a controversy when you don't need to. And he's now lost the plot, I think. I think there are shambles. An absolute shambles, the San Francisco 49ers. They're 18 months removed from a Super Bowl. You can't be that bad. And the last year they had injuries. There's no excuse this year. That's my view. And I think, and I'm not, and I am having a go deliberately just to wind you up. But also, <laughs> they are a shambles. No, it's fair. They are a shambles. And I think that uh, to go into that game where there's no Kyler Murray, there's no DeAndre Hopkins, Edmonds injures himself right away. Fine. Do you know what? I think it's the fact that so many of the plays were like the same plays. The Cardinals just, we looked inept. We didn't look organized. We looked out of sorts. We looked as though we didn't really have any great ideas. You know, if you look at Jimmy G's numbers, they're decent. They're decent. But when it got down to the point where it mattered, we didn't deliver. We definitely didn't deliver on defense. The lack of tackling at the linebacker and in the secondary, shambolic, disgusting stuff. And I think for me, there was... There was no signs of any great life out of that. You know, we got Kettle back. That's a big upside. Kettle's back. He he played well. You know, he obviously is not 100%, but he's back in the fold. He's a big weapon, a big factor. And I think for me that you're, you're right to a point. To be this far away from where we were from the Super Bowl, when we've not really lost anybody. You know, we've lost Mostert. We've lost pieces, right? We've lost um, Richard Sherman and stuff like that. So the secondary is a massive issue. I've been saying that for ages. It's a problem for sure. Um, but we've not lost enough big pieces to have this fall from grace. Uh, and I think that that's probably the most worrying thing. Injuries continue to be a problem. We can't keep 
using that as an excuse, it is dire. It's really dire. But let's not take away from the Cardinals. Cliff Kingsbury played a blinder. I think the Cardinals were tremendous. I thought Colt McCoy was superb. I think it's a fair nomination. Um, he looked really good, and he's a solid, solid backup. The The Cardinals can function without Kyler Murray, no problem at all, because that is a team that's got a lot of talent in it, even out with all those missing players. It's ironic that the Cardinals have got two functioning quarterbacks and the Niners have got none. I don't think you could say that we've got... So... I think Jimmy G was fine, <laughs> and it's too early to but, say But he's not. Trade. He's not fine. He's, he's clearly not he, fine because he, he doesn't no, retain the faith of the organisation and he's fine. one bad quarter from being binned, so he but, might as well not be there at all. Fine, fine is, he is fine. He's if you buy Tom Brady off wish, like you're yes. not getting, you're not getting the same, the same thing you want. Now, quarterback wise, 49ers, Kyle Shanahan is going to do now is try and find the sweet spot because if he puts in Trey Lance now, it might be too soon. What he wants is to get that four or five game bounce where it shows some hope for the future. Get that going, he can save his job. That's what he wants to do. Find find that four or five week sweet spot at the end of the year, save his job because he's he's you know got the new quarterback and he can make it run that way. Yeah, you think his job like is even in danger though? I don't think it is. I think yes. I think he's I think he's safe as houses. No, not not the way they're losing. They're losing. And being around 500 is not the end of the world for the 49ers, for, for him in terms of his job prospect. However, the way they lost that game, just I, that that was not... One of the big things people always, when they look at football teams, is like, are, do you do the fundamentals well? And not tackling is just the, the thing that if you, if you lose and have a disappointing season when you can't tackle, your fan base turns on you. And that's See, what I Gordon, think is starting to happen. Sorry. Yeah, I, I've just written that down. Just before you mentioned it, can't tackle. I mean, there's there's no excuse for that. I mean, the tackling was utterly horrendous. I mean, Colt McCoy beat them. A bag of McCoys played at quarterback would have beaten them. I'm on the website, the San Francisco Chronicle, and there was a great article that I was looking for. Um, and it basically said, if 49ers face a diminished Cardinals team, a statement win will have to wait. I mean, they, were, they actually thought they were going to win the game. You know, a win will have to wait, I think, is more. So you then go, embarrassing effort on nearly every front. All the game grades, um, embarrassing. Latest loss captures 49ers season award. Disappointment. Uh, Josh Norman got called for a taunting penalty. That hurt Kyle Shanahan. Well, at least he was in a position to taunt about something. It's just... You know, the local media are not treating the 49ers particularly kindly at the moment. And when they start to turn against you in a one-town team, uh, you've got trouble. And it's it's fair criticism. This is the thing. It's definitely fair criticism. Um, So, yeah. Okay, right. No, I was going to say, I'd like to know what the plan is. It'd be great for Shanahan to come out and tell everyone what the plan is for the rest of the season. Because the season's a write-off. I think you get to halfway, and if you're a head coach, you know in your heart whether or not they're going to challenge for the playoffs or whether you're ah, in rebuild. There's no, there's no playoffs. And they're absolutely in rebuild mode now. Yeah. So um, ju- just to finish it, Cameron, it says here, so the San Francisco Chronicle, it says after last week's 49ers win, uh, 49ers coach Kyle Shannon explained WIT plays. Those he says shows what it takes to be successful. This week, Shanahan reviewed a video loss full of things that could be labeled as WIT. What is that? Yes. I would have gone with something slightly different, but, you know, <laughs> the, the, the local media ain't liking what they're seeing. No, and rightly so. Rightly so. So it'll be interesting to see how this develops. It will be interesting to see when Trey Lance comes into the fold, because, yeah, 
if he's taken over this team, he's got to get a couple of games in. You look at the schedule, um, the last couple of games, bar the Rams in the final week, which is a, a difficult place for any quarterback to go, let alone a rookie. Um, there's some games in there that you may see them. Games against the Texans, games against... Uh, the Falcons, the Titans defense has suddenly stepped up. But, you know, normally you would maybe say the Titans D might not be too bad of a one to come up against. But we're interested to see if he features in any of those. Okay, other nominations. Paul O'Shea, he puts forward Jamie Collins. Patriots should play him as a wide receiver after that pick. What a catch. Um, there's a couple of nominations for uh, Kenny Wongwu for the second career game kickoff return touchdown and a successful run on a fake punt says John Harper Gary May also puts him forward 98 yard kick return um, Bill Hendry gives one to Lamar Jackson 120 total rushing yards on 21 possessions his 12th game with a 100 plus yard rushing performance an NFL record for a quarterback couple of nominations for Nick Chubb George Jackson puts the best, 137 yards, two touchdowns, a couple of explosive runs to be the highlight of the Browns' offense. Johnny Bailey gives one to Pat Freermouth. Another two touchdowns last night, quickly becoming the new Heath. Great draft picks from the Steelers, along with Najee Harris. Uh, Louise Welby gives it to the Titans' defense. Touched on that earlier. Absolutely amazing team effort. Kept the Rams to three field goals and one last-minute touchdown. Then a couple of nominations for the underdogs and the unpredictability of the NFL. Dave Nichols says, just when you think you've got the NFL figured out, you get a week like the one just gone. One would imagine that very little people had the Broncos rocking up to Dallas and dumping on the Cowboys or the Jags keeping Buffalo quiet. Fun times. Cameron, Cameron, can I check? Was that very little people? Or very few people. Very few. Because I, I take exception to that. I did not pick the Broncos. Okay. Um, can we just touch on a couple of things? I, I, I'll be interested in Gordon's opinion. I, I got a, a text sent to me by one of my mates who's a Vikings fan. And he says, apparently Viking fans are now wearing T-shirts with this phrase on them. We almost, almost win. We always, almost win. Which I think is brilliant. Gordon, did the Vikings lose or did the Ravens win it at the weekend? Uh, no, I think the Ravens won it. Like, if you're going to say the Vikings lost it, the Vikings didn't do anything in the second half, the Ravens didn't do in the first half. Mm. Like, it, it was just, it went both ways. The Ravens have developed a habit for winning close games, which I don't really love, because generally speaking, you don't sustain that. It's not good for your health, is it? No, it's really not great for my health. Um, but the other thing is, like, Lamar Jackson's playing as well as he possibly can. They're asking him to do way too much just now. Um, like I was messaging you guys during the game, saying the offensive line, it's not the offensive line's playing terrible for the Ravens, but there's always one guy. What One of the five always seems to let someone through in a key moment. One guy always seems to get massively beat, and on defense for the Ravens as well, big plays are happening because like one guy makes a mistake. The big long touchdown to Justin Jefferson was a rookie uh, safety and didn't understand that they changed pre-snap, then drop back to cover the guy and you get blown up. That That's where the Ravens' concern is at this point. But they do continue to find ways to win. So The, the one thing is they are the most watchable team in the league by a distance just now because you always know it's going to the last minute or into overtime. Invariably, it's going to overtime, which is never very good for scheduling and trying to eat your dinner or um, plan to do something once the game's over. So every time they're actually on the television... 
you got to book in another 30 minutes after the, <laughs> the game's meant to be over. But I, 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 from a neutral perspective, I have never found them more exciting to watch. My concern is that at some point, Lamar gets hurt and it all falls to pieces or the luck starts to run out. Because if you re- recall at the start of the season, I, me- I think I remember talking about the fact that they were three, uh, they could have been 0-3 and they turned out that you know, they're now 6-2. and two. They could be 8-0. and oh. um, So it's... Well, 7-1. You, you 7-1. Seven, seven 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 well, never, yeah. Never you meet, I mean, you meet... Well, forget it. But to be fair, that game was pretty tight until halftime. Yeah, yeah. So you, you make your own luck in, in sport in general and in this league as well. The margins are very, very fine. But I think the overly reliance on one player who is outstanding and is probably now borderline MVP leader... I think that that is very problematic for it's your also, health like, into February. That's not deliberate. Like they lost starting left tackle, they've lost like another offensive lineman. You know, they've got I think it's like nineteen players in injured reserve or long term injury list and stuff like that. So it's not like they've gone into this season and kind of they've come in cavalier wise and they, you know all they've got is Lamar and that's it. They've just been absolutely brutalized injury wise, like two thousand and nineteen season where they were the top team in the NFL in the regular season. They didn't get hurt. No it, one was injured. It feels like Freeman and Bell are starting to get into a little bit of a groove there, though, as well. Free, not? Freeman in particular, I think, yeah. fits what the way they run the ball really well. And that that's the other interesting thing with the Ravens as the season goes on. Once the December and January, that type of ugly running the ball, those kind of eight-minute drives, start to become, become a little bit easier because teams are tired. They've played 15, 16 games. Players are hurt, all those things. That's when the Ravens could start coming to their own a little bit in that sense and start to bully people because that that's how they won the game in the second half against the Vikings was they just beat them up on the ground. Doing what Derek Henry would be doing if he wasn't sitting on IR. Just battering people on the ground. And we know it works, especially in the cold months, definitely. Um, okay, before we wrap up and make our decision, there's two other, well, there's two other names that need to get mentioned. One... Steve Briggs gives a nomination to Odell Beckham Jr. Listening to the talking heads in the USA, apparently he's the reason that the Browns played so well and humped the Bengals. So the award must go to him, surely. I, this is good. I love I love this suggestion. Absolute, like, Bob Agri to suggest it. But <laughs> the narrative of Baker Mayfield is good when... Odell's out of the lineup and he's bad when he's in is massively overblown at this point for me. One, the sample size of those games, I think it's about 12 games where he's been out. And PFF grade wise, he's got, he's about 50, 50 in terms of like above and below 75 in those games. It's not like he's this magical quarterback. What Baker Mayfield has been throughout his career so far is a guy who has a great game and then an average game, and then an okay game, and then a poor game, and then an average game, and then a great game. So he's he's basically Kirk Cousins at this point, in that he's very up and down <laughs> in those things. So, except he's vaccinated. And Kirk Cousins yeah, isn't. Yeah, <laughs> but the 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 other thing with the Odell uh, the Odell Beckham thing is that we were told the problem was you know his dad shown this video of he's open all the time this that and the next thing. The Browns come back on that, or not the Browns come back, it came through people in the media, but 
we all know where that stuff comes from, was this is a timing offense. And Odell might be open in those plays, but you know, he's not in the right place at the right time. And this this offense has to function that way. Kevin Stefanski's been in Cleveland for a year and a half. It's taken you a year and a half to fix the problem of him not being in the right place there. That's on you. That's that's not on him. To be fair, he was injured most of last season. So but still, this it was is, still like half the number of games. And, but he, uh, you na- name name one play that Odell Beckham made in Cleveland, either before Stefanski came or since he's came, which you can before, remember. He's done nothing. No, before Stefanski, he had a couple of huge games. I think he's, it was the Jets game when Baker first came in. That's the, the, the Jets. Doesn't count. Uh, you asked for the, the other. The other problem, though, is the Browns are trying to figure out, and this this is why I think they've done the right thing: get rid of Odell Beckham and find out if Baker Mayfield is just simply a better quarterback without him there. I really have a hard time giving money to a quarterback who can't make it work with a specific wide receiver. I think like it's really that. interesting that they have today and yesterday signed up their two guards to huge money, huge money. They are creating a, an identity in Cleveland of being a, a running team, a team that's based on the best running and the best offensive line in football, arguably, with a quarterback who can manage games. And that's what that's the identity they want. He's not going to rip you up for 450 yards and throw highlight reel throws. It doesn't matter who's the receiver, but if he's able to play, run off play action and if he's able to be serviceable like he was last season towards the end of the year when Beckham was out, then Cleveland could go to the Super Bowl and they could, you know, they could go to the playoffs so every year based on that. It is is the reason why they're signing up along the offensive line to create the best environment for Baker Mayfield, or is the reason why they're showing up the offensive line because they want to create the best environment for Baker Mayfield's replacement in a year or two years? And it could be both. Yeah. It could be. I think it's addition. It's addition by subtraction. Odell Beckham Jr. for whatever reason wasn't working. Uh, you know, you could argue that his. You could label his video fake news. You could argue that the response was fake news. Do it however you want. The relationship was gone, and once it's gone, get rid of them and move on. I think it's a win for the Browns. You talk about what we're going to remember about o- Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, and the Browns. That all the shenanigans with the kicking net. That's probably about it that you remember. No, he was with the Giants at that point. Yeah. Did he not do? He did no, that with the. He did that with was, the Browns as well. There was a net incident as well. Maybe. Um, he just. But what the, the the point, Gordon, is we we can. It was a job really remember too much. Yeah, you can't you can't remember too much about what he'd done on the field. Um, now we're hoping that during this podcast we'll find out exactly where it's going, and I don't care as long as it's not New Orleans. <laughs> And we'll come back to that and let's hope it lands. Right, there is one other person who got nominated um, and actually received 30% of the vote uh, in a game that, you know, this is episode 169 uh, and this game finished 69 because it was the Bills 6, the Jags 9. Um, Josh Allen, the Jags version. So, Sean Breen says, becoming the first player ever to sack another player of the same name was an achievement, but to sack, intercept and recover a fumble by his namesake is pretty incredible. He had himself a day in which the Jags kept the Bills offense to six measly points. Ross Taylor says, eight tackles, a sack and an interception. Shame it was overshadowed by the whole Allen on Allen stuff. That was dull, but the boy was incredible. Uh, And Graham Boyle simply says, an elite performance and proving to all that he is still the top Josh Allen 
in the NFL. Firstly, did you find the whole Josh Allen versus Josh Allen thing dull, or did you enjoy it? It was it was funny for like the first eight times we heard it, mm. but a little it got a little tedious after that. It was quite amusing when he continued to make plays. Yeah, because he, when he's not made, he's never made an interception, and now he has, and he's never recovered a fumble, and now he has. But so what? It's his name. <laughs> you know, yeah, it was. I'm with, I'm, it was funny for the first couple of times, and then it kind of like, no, oh, let's can we just get away from this, please? Because it was starting to get really annoying. Cameron, did we get any nominations for Boswell, the kicker from the Steelers? No. God, I hope not. Oh, I loved the the way he got that interception, which basically came right into his bread basket, and he got absolutely melted. But he held on to it, which I was really impressed with. For a kicker, you, you could almost see the panic spreading well, through his body. Especially after he got absolutely killed on the fake field goal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he came out with a great lingo and he said that, you know, they spoke to him. He said uh, that had never happened to him in practice when they run that play. It's like, oh, there's a surprise. Um, but yeah, I was, I was quite impressed with the way he took it on and then curled up in the fetal position. Um, but he held on to the ball. All credit to him. The so, only um, the only other um, mention I don't think we've had is the Tennessee Titans defense. Yes, we did which, have one. We oh, did, did you? You mentioned it. Oh, well, I, I totally missed that. Sorry, I was too busy um, thinking about a hundred different ways to conduct homeopathy. Apologies. <laughs> um, the um, I think yeah, that, that was the most impressive defensive performance of the year, frankly, in my view, given <laughs> what the Rams have produced, produced before. So the, the only the only slight not Debbie Downer way of going on that would be that I think a heavy assist goes to Matt Stafford. Aye, which Matt, is surprising in itself because he's Matt played Stafford's very well. Matt Stafford's MVP talk went up in smoke with that play where he spun around about three times and then threw it straight to the Titans linebacker. That was just... And then the following that, that, play, I think it was, straight to the, the pick six. No, he, he played really poorly. But the Titans defence, I think, has been really good for a good couple of weeks. And you know the reason why? They all got a cup of herbal tea on Sunday morning and that set them up perfectly for the game. It was recommended by Mr. Rogers of Green Bay. Worked perfectly for them. Lovely. Any other nominations then before we go ahead and select? No, but I can tell you there is there is only one nomination for the Ball Bag Award. I don't care we'll where get, you're going. We'll get there to the Ball Bag. One. We'll get but to I'm the Ball Bag Award. I'm just telling you, I, I, I'm not interested in any nominations it's, apart from one. We'll get to that. Simple. We'll get Simple. To that. So, um, is it anyone other than Josh Allen? I think we got a day. He had a day against what is, you know, one of the top seeds in the AFC. They come into Jacksonville, who've been absolutely toilet, and they managed to beat them. And it's largely down to Josh Allen. Well, it's largely down to both Josh Allens, but for very different reasons. Well, do you know what? Let's not spend any time wasting the discussion. Let's just raise a dram. To Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you are the Loch Lomond Belter of the week. Now, before we go into Bob Ag, we're actually going to give away a bottle of whiskey to somebody at the moment. Um, there, We used to do an award on this podcast called The Most Scottish-Like Performance, where you somehow grab defeat from the, the, the hands of victory. Um, that's not the saying, but you know what I mean. So... There was a, this weekend. There was a Buffalo Bills meetup in London, uh, and there was one person went from Scotland all the way to London 
to meet up and have a great party with these fellow Buffalo Bill fans. And then he had to sit for three hours and watch them lose 6-9 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And for me, and his name's Adam Mitchell. It's not your son, Paul. It's the other Adam Mitchell. But I thought, I just, I saw him posting this. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I just thought that's the most Scottish thing. To, oh, right, lads, I'm off to London for the weekend. I'm meeting my fellow fans. We're going to go and watch the Bills beat the Jags. Ah, oh, shite, we lost 6 9 and now I'm in London. What am I going to do? So, uh, I'm sure he had a great weekend. Good for him for going down there representing Scottish. Buffalo Bill NFL fans, uh, sorry you didn't get the result that you're looking for. Adam, send us a DM. We're going to send you a bottle of NFL Scotland Loch Lomond whiskey. Uh, help you drown your sorrows a little bit, my friend. So, But well done for doing all that effort. We love to see NFL fans doing a bit of uh, stepping up and travelling to see their team, meeting up with people, all for it. So, yeah, there you go. Right. I, I agree. It's, it's lovely to see somebody called Mitchell actually getting a bottle of whiskey. Well <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've updated your phrase. Um, you still got to say it, though. Right, on to the ball bag. I'll read the nominations, and then we'll come around. So, uh, Louise Welby says, Aaron Donald should have been sent off for two bad tackles. Anyone else would have been ejected. Sore loser, and losing the rag while getting owned and beaten. Ken Kerr, he... Gives one to Derek Carr, turned into a turnover machine for the Raiders, but primarily for his hair. There's worse hair in the NFL than Derek Carr's, surely. Um, Paul O'Shea, this is one that I know Gordon's going to jump on. Everyone involved in the Marsh taunting flag. Marsh, firstly, for taunting. The rule is boofing, but it's week nine, so he should know the rule by now. Shut up and get on with it. And then the ref for his hip check carry on. No idea what was going through his mind. Bob bag behaviour from anyone, let alone a ref. He's ruined it. He ruined it with his with his marsh. <laughs> so, right. This, let's let's talk about this then. Let's talk about this because it was it's right. It's farcical. Yeah. It's right. Far- Look, so so the ball bag. Sorry, the, the ball bag is the NFL senior vice president of officiating, Perry Fellwell. Yes. Now, it's not a name that's come across very well. He addressed the taunting flag during his weekly video review and collection of penalties. In the video, Fellwell was direct in his explanation of the penalty, supporting referee Tony Corrienti's judgment and throwing a flag. He takes several steps towards the Pittsburgh bench, posturing towards the sideline. Taunting is a point of emphasis to promote sportsmanship and respect for opponents. This was the recommendation by the competition committee in coaching. And he said... Marsh's decision to posture towards Pittsburgh's sideline, the area of the field containing the majority of players Marsh called teammates a few weeks earlier, was the final straw. Absolute bollocks. This this is a disgrace. Now, I, I'm with Gordon 100%. So that was not a penalty. Never. The, the, the thing about this as well, I was very annoyed about this on Tuesday morning, and Cameron in his full-on NFL cap, I am actually a cop supporting the officials' nonsense. Did as usual, oh, this was just a bad implementation of the rule, blah, blah. Well, no, it wasn't, because the NFL themselves have backed it up. So first of all, the official said, uh, like, keep in mind that this is a point of emphasis, and I felt he was taunting them. The NFL then backed him up and said, this is the correct application of this rule. So that is the way NFL, the NFL wants taunting called. Here's where there's a huge problem with that. You're leaving this, all joking aside about it being a ridiculous rule. 
when you leave it up to a personal choice by an official, what is and isn't taunting, and it's a 15-yard penalty in the same season when the NFL has deals with gambling companies, you're opening yourself up to a huge problem at some point in the future. Massive problem. The other person who is an absolute ball bag on this is Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin, who said that he is in favour of this because we're trying to clean our game up. Mike Tomlin's the head coach who, on Thanksgiving a few years ago, tried to trip up the Ravens returner running down the sideline, and he's concerned that taunting is going to uh, taunting needs to go to clean up the game. Ball bag behaviour. Everyone involved in this, get get rid of it now. I would say that's not ball bagger. I would say that's absolute shithousery because he did that <laughs> deliberately to a Ravens player, and you oh, know no, no. it. If it was the no, other, no. if the boot was on the other foot, so, you sorry, would be sorry. absolutely the, legitimizing the tripping, that. The tripping of Jacoby Jones, shithousery. Fine, I've got no problem with that at all. Absolute dickhead move. But do you know what? In the sense of rivalry, I completely understand why you did it. Don't <laughs> then turn around and tell me that taunting is, you know, we need to clean up the game and all that stuff. Just, just don't. So, I will come in because I agree with you. Um, the fact that the NFL have come out having reviewed it and still say it was the right call is terrible. Right, that is nonsense. For me, my interpretation and the way that it had been pitched to me was if you get up and you get in someone's face and you celebrate right in somebody's face, then that's taunting. And for me, there was an element of squaring up to that where I felt it was deemed, deemed as an aggressive move. You're squaring up, you're sticking it right in their face. And I was like, do you know what? I don't need this to happen, but fine. If that's a rule, it's a rule. Learn the rule. Don't do it in someone's face. Just don't do it. You're right. That was open to interpretation. In my eyes, that was never taunting. He got up and he celebrated and he celebrated with an amazing spin kick. Holy shit. It was magnificent. And to get a 15-yard penalty for that is such a crucial point in the game is ridiculous absolutely ridiculous i i don't know about the hip bumping thing as well i just the optics of that looked really bad as well because then it was cut and shared as a clip which people seem to think he was flagging him because of the contact on the ref that was not what happened but the the taunting call when i saw it i was like yeah no that's trash they should have come if they'd come out and gone ah do you know what we got that one wrong i thought it was being there even if it was being directed at the sideline it's too far away for it to be taunting it's too far away. For me, it's, it, it's a simplicity thing around if you get up and you make a movement right up to somebody and you get in their face, that is a, an aggressive move that, fine, if they want to cut out the game, they want to cut out the game. I don't need it to be, but whatever, the rules are rule. What happened last year? It was terrible. It was just a terrible call. I agree. I think the fact that NFL have backed it up, they've, they've kind of now buggered this whole thing up. And you're right, because this is open to interpretation, and that's a dangerous place to be, because there'll be talk about this every single time. So the, the other problem I've got here is that play is stopped. You're not affecting the game in any way, shape, or form. So if they want to cut it out, simply send the player off. No yardage penalty on the team. Take the player out, if that's what you're going to do. But that had absolutely zero effect on the actual playing nature of the game. And therefore, to me, for something like that, and if we're going to, you know, there's different classes of penalty, but taunting, which is dumb, I get exactly as you said. But in those cases, just send the player off. No no penalising the team in yards and down changes, etc. But send the player off if you want to do that. That would might help clean the game up a little bit. But in pivotal moments like that, people feel cheated. And I felt cheated watching it. 
Yeah. And the Bears definitely would have felt cheated. Okay. Right, we'll, we'll go on uh, other nominations. So there's quite a few nominations for Josh Allen, the quarterback. Um, so Ryan Johnson says, Josh Allen, Allen getting sacked, intercepted, and fumbling versus Josh Allen. Uh, Tony Brewerton says, it can't be anybody else. I very much doubt there'll ever be a time again when two people of the same name can legitimately be nominated for both Belter and Bobag. He had an absolute shocker. John John Harper gives his to Clint Kubiak. Terrible offensive play calling, costing the team yet another win. Gary May gives his to Mac Jones. Grabbing Burns' ankle, then rolling over on his leg. Awful play. Uh, Johnny Bailey says Matt Stafford, two pick sixes within 26 seconds. Bobag of the highest order. Paul Marney uh, gives his to OBJ. Um, when you're kicked off one team, it could be them. But kicked off two, it's definitely you. Don't even get me started on the there could be potential issues nonsense. He's threatening to teams trying to claim him off the waivers if they aren't contenders. The dude is a joke. Meanwhile, Sean Breen... He wasn't, he wasn't kicked off the Giants. The Giants traded him away for uh, Jabril Peppers. Jabril Peppers, who was a first-round pick and a first-round pick, that's not kicked off. Kicked off the Browns, fine, but I think we can all agree that that like we don't really know where the blame lies there. It was just that it clearly wasn't working. So. Sean Breen, he gives his to Odell Beckham Jr.'s dad. Imagine posting a video of all the times the quarterback of your son's team misses him with a pass. That's like primary school stuff. Then that resulted in his son being released to the Browns going out and hammering their division rivals just to prove they didn't need him. Uh, Ross Sterling gives his to Patrick Mahomes. As much as I love him as my quarterback, he's not seeing the bigger picture. Missing open receivers underneath in favour for forcing deep shots. Need to get back to basics and take what the D gives you more to uh, take what the D gives you to move the chains. Sam Darnold gets one from Rory McGregor. 48% completion percentage, three interceptions, only 172 yards on 33 attempts. Yuck. Extra ball bag for looking good in the Panthers' 3-0 start to the year, only to now be playing worse than with Gase and the Jets. That's just naivety. What did he expect? That's <laughs> true. Well, he's now out for a month as well because he's... Partially torn his rotator cuff. PJ Walker time. PJ Walker as, time. As, as somebody said, he couldn't even complete a, a tearing of this, the rotary cuff properly, <laughs> which I thought was a little bit harsh. Right, I've got a scenario for you guys, which which does I don't know if it's ball bag, but I want to know what your, your thoughts are. The ending of the Saints-Falcons game, Kenny Stills reaches across on a second and seven with just a minute and what, minute and ten left to play, reaches across to make a great play to get the ball over the pylon and the Saints score. My initial reaction was he should have just taken the ball back into his body, gone out of bounds, and the Saints then had two downs to get the ball into the end zone, and it would have run the time off the clock. What's your nah. thoughts? Nah. Yeah, You've got to rely on the risk of not scoring. Correct. There, 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 is a, there is a risk to it. Yeah, yeah. I just, I'm interested in your feeling. My immediate feeling is, is that the... The supporter of the team that's done it is you think that's too much time. Matt Ryan's got a capable arm, it's only going to take one throw, and that's what it proved. So I just I was interested in your thoughts. So what what is interesting with that though is it's not dissimilar from what the Chargers did a little bit against the Eagles at the end. They got to fourth and one, minute and a half left or something like that. Eagles out of timeouts. You can kick the game winning field goal there, and then the Eagles get a minute and twenty seconds to score. What Brandon Staley and the Chargers did was went for it and fourth and one. Got the first down. You're then kicking a game winner. Would last play of the game. So, I, 
I, I don't think I, I disagree with you, but I don't think it's entirely out of the stretch. I, I think with the the New Orleans Saints as good as it as they are on defense, you should be able to stop Atlanta. Frankly, I, I'm sorry. That entity at the moment is the defense, and if you can't stop Atlanta from scoring or you can't stop that play, you don't deserve to win, in my view. And I, he's a. I think it's pretty simplistic. I totally get where you're coming from, and you called it at the time. You said we've we've scored too early, but I don't think you can turn down the option to score. And I also believe that that defense is one of the best in the league, and they should have stopped Matt Ryan, and they should have stopped Cordell Patterson, who is not even a legitimate wide receiver. Oh, the Falcons have he's, made he's him. Not, he's not a wide receiver. No, he's a, nobody knows what he is. He's a Swiss Army knife. Matt Ryan's playing well though. Right. Like, he is now. He was really awful at the start of the season. Start, yeah, the, the last few weeks he's played really well. For me, I think the bit that it comes down to is you. You're right, and I I totally understood the reaction. Always scored too quickly, and I, and ultimately he did. I think it's also as well if you had, you won't thank me for saying it. If you had Jameis in there, and you know that Jameis is capable of getting the ball into the end zone on a second or third down in the red zone. Then, or you've got, let's take Jameis out of it to take the emotive part. You've got a quarterback that you've got a lot of faith in to get you in, but, you know, control the clock. Then I think you can go in with that mantra. But I think that it was a late comeback. It was a case of momentum was in the sales. You've got to take those chances when they come. And I, I think it was, he got the chance to score. He was right to score. It was unfortunate that it come back to bite you. Um, but yeah, it's F, F spots and maybes. Yeah, you know, we, we've got Kamara. If, if we can't score with a, you know, basically a third and goal in the final minute, we don't deserve to win it. It just, I'm always wary about giving time back to people. We saw that with Chicago-Pittsburgh. You know, I mean, lo- I was going to say love, sorry, I'm getting my, my J-Lo's confused. Um, I was really impressed by the way Chicago went down the field, but again, they scored too early. Um, you know, they took the shot at the end zone, they got it. Uh, fields, I thought looked good on that particular drive, but I would what ninety five percent certain that Pittsburgh were going to come back and get a field goal attempt. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I thought Justin Fields had a really good game, um, which is great news for Bears fans. The fact that he didn't look remotely comfortable the first few weeks. Yeah, the first few weeks he was starting. He's starting to look now like the quarterback they drafted. So. That's good news for them. What, what the Bears fans want, and I read this yesterday, and I actually agree with this theory, is they want Justin Fields to do quite well every game, but for the Bears to lose every match yes. between yes. now and the end of the season. Then they'll sack Mac Nagy, they'll get a new coach in, and off you I go. So I'm I'm actually hoping Justin Fields plays great over the next and 10 weeks. Because <laughs> then and plays really, really well, and then they maybe win five of them. Lose the last five, you know, miss her in a wild card. Happy days. Matt Nagy's there for another season. Everyone's a winner. <laughs> Brilliant. So who's our ballback this week? Is it the NFL in this call? I think you oh, can get into the NFL for a number of reasons. It, it is. Yeah, it is. I, I do have another nomination. Okay. So if we cast our minds back a little bit, there was a okay. second in this group, in the NFL Scotland group chat, declared that you could tell the 49ers had made a bad draft pick with Trey Lance because we'd seen him in a game and he mm. didn't do it in that game. That no, 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 I wasn't that. Go back, actually, and get your facts right there. I did not say that. 
it's pretty pretty close to what you said. No, I said no, 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 no. It's totally different to what I said. I said they traded up to number three, which you have to start the player. No, that's not a rule you for a project quarterback. They traded up to number three for a project quarterback and sold the house on a player who wasn't ready to start and created a quarterback controversy. That is what I said. Continue, please. Did Jordan Love not create a quarterback controversy when he was drafted? No. What? No, not at all. Not at all. Not at all. Just in the minds of people. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the San Francisco uh, quarterbacks. That's what Gordon was talking about. Let Let him continue. Let him continue. Interestingly, it was leading on to Jordan Love because somehow after Jordan Love's Horror performance, led also by a Bob worthy performance, I think, by the Packers' offensive game plan, which was cowardly, cowardly against the Chiefs team. That that game was there to be won, with a bit more, bit more aggression on offense. But a claim that ah, he, he did exactly what we expected of him. He, no. he was he he completed one pass beyond twenty yards. No, I didn't say that. I never, yards. I never said he. Anything about his twenty-yard passes? No, no, no. I said that. I, I said that. I said. I said. You said he was bang average. Did exactly what was expected of him. I don't think he could have done anything more than what was expected. And I at would which, like to. At which point, and my question which point to you: he's Never worth a first-round pick. So what's the who's the ball bag nomination for here? Uh it's not you were going to be my ball bag nomination. Then the NFL massively overtook you. So <laughs> you're just you're you're a you're an honourable mention. <laughs> Well, that's nice. Well done, Charles. Well done. Cameron's given up. He's eating his tea at the moment. I can quote. I can quote and say exactly what was said. Your thoughts are irrelevant until we see him in action of Jordan Love. <laughs> Correct. We can judge see the him. Trey He's Lance fish. pick because we've seen him play. Correct. I think it was a cock-up. Correct. Can we now but say the not same just, of Jordan not, but Love? Not, but not just because it was a cock-up. Because of the semantics around the whole situation and the fact that... I'll tell you what the biggest difference is between the Trey Lance pick and the Jordan Love pick. The Trey Lance pick is made and immediately throws an entire franchise into confusion. And there's a complete disconnect with who's the quarterback, what's the game plan, and by the way, the team is shit. The Jordan Love pick, totally different, because Jordan Love comes into the building, doesn't actually be in the building for a year... And, oh, by the way, Green Bay have been to the last two NFC Championship games and might get to this one as well. They've got a winning record. So it doesn't matter who your quarterback might be. If you're winning games, it's irrelevant. Now, what we can do... Now, hang on a minute. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. We can talk about Jordan Love now as a player because we've seen him in the flesh and I'm absolutely happy to do that and I can give you my judgment on it, but I'd be more intrigued to find out what your judgment is of him and also... Who's to blame for that defeat? Because it's not Jordan Love. It's Aaron Rodgers. So, well, firstly, let's go back a little bit in terms of the Trey Lance picks in the 49ers disarray or whatever thing it was you said. The Jordan Love pick is the exact reason why Aaron Rodgers had his off-season of... Yeah, yeah, has he fit? Because he's a diva. Because he's a big... But he's still there. But he's still there and he's still throwing balls and he was the MVP last season. So ultimately, all the noise, all the, the kind of hyperbole in the background is not relevant when Jordan Love has no chance this week or next week of being the starter if Aaron Rodgers is fit. 
He wasn't fit. He wasn't available. He but, created okay, the mess, and poor Jordan Love got lumped into it. That's last hindsight, week. though. If if, if no, the no, Niners no. got the rest of the season and we win out from here, it's ridiculous, right? If we win out from here, does that Pigs mean that fly. we get away with it? If Jimmy G stays in, under center, mm, right to a certain extent, okay. yeah. Right, voice of reason here. Oh Jesus so, Christ! That's the worst claim I've heard yet. <laughs> this this could be interesting, and and don't argue with me till I'm finished. Charles is right in the fact that the drafting of Trey Lance threw a whole organization into issues. The drafting of Jordan Love threw one player into uh, so how's, a huff how's and the a tizzy. Whole, Hang, how's what, the whole what did I say? What, what Mute did yourself. I say about interrupting me? Come on, behave. We need your cheese. <laughs> so San Francisco, as an organization, has questions to face about who's going to be playing at quarterback. That wasn't the case with Green Bay. We knew he was going to throw a huff. We knew he was going to puff all his way through, but we also knew he was going to be starting for them. So I think there is a great difference. Looking at Jordan Love, I don't blame Aaron Rodgers. He, he wasn't the reason that they lost the game against Kansas City. He wasn't on the field. Now, you can theorize if he was there, it would have been this, that, and the next thing. He could have been out with a head knock, concussion, an ankle injury, whatever. The basic fact is they put in their backup quarterback and couldn't get into double figures of points. What did he look like? He looked like a guy starting for the first time in the NFL that hadn't really been expecting to start. That's what he looked like. We cannot judge. I don't think we can judge Trey Lance yet. I don't think we can judge Jordan Love yet. I think it's still far too early on both. And God, guys, when I'm the voice of reason, this podcast is really going to have problems. You're not, you're not the voice of reason, though, because the idea that the 49ers, in the position they were in last year, it was the smart thing for them to do to draft a quarterback. We had All to. four of us know that Jimmy Garoppolo is not the answer at quarterback there. Now, we did can, we pay it, too in, much to go and get Trey Lance? Yes, we yes, did. Of course I think we did. So. Yeah, I do and too. With, with the benefit of hindsight, maybe it should have been Mac Jones. Maybe it should have been a different quarterback. And we'll know that in two or three years' time. I'm not going to criticise their... If they stayed where they were, Gordon, it was the fact that they drafted up. That was the, that was the problem. Because they, they knew who they, 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 no, they wanted. No, no. So, well, they didn't. Yeah, here's, they did. the no, they didn't. here's the Very problem better. with this, though. You can't, you can't say... Because you could look back in hindsight and say, oh, if they stayed where they were... They would have been in position to get Mac Jones, Justin Fields, whoever they are. They could have traded up less to get there. You don't know that ahead of time. Now, I, I still don't think they should have traded up to as high as they did, given up what they did. But if you're going to trade up for it, trade up for a quarter. And just to say, we spoke to Jim Nagy on this podcast, who was in touch with all the players, and he told us at the time that the Niners had seen Justin Fields, the Niners then went to see Trey Lance, and they were on their way to see Mac Jones and made the trade before they saw Mac Jones. They knew who they wanted because they'd seen him in the pro day. And they went, that's our guy. We see enough out of him that we think he's worth taking a risk on. And you look at his numbers, yeah, he's a project. But you look at Jordan Love out of Utah State 2019. He threw for 20 touchdowns and 17 interceptions. You know, that's not great numbers to, to ping out of that. You look at Trey Lance and he's obviously got um, a very successful college career, very short, but he's got potential upside. Anyway... We pay yeah, too but much. there's we no way. There's no way. There's no way, Cameron, that you can t- say that that's your guy before you've gone to see Mac Jones. Yeah, you that, can. That's oh, come no, on. You can. Can. No, you can. No, you can. No, no, you can be wrong. No one. No one believes that NFL teams haven't made ninety nine percent that decision yeah, before no. they see them. At listen, listen, they're not basing listen. decisions on throwing versus air. Come on. No, they, they're making this fuss about we've seen them there, we've seen them there, we've seen them there. They didn't. If they, you go and see everybody. 
You yeah. give everybody an equal but chance. They, here's the and thing. I don't think they do that. When they see Lance, they know they've found someone that's good enough. And if they go see Jones, they've already got the third pick. And they go, brilliant, this guy's even better. But they didn't need to. They saw Lance and they went, brilliant, we've got the third round pick. This is what we want. Is it the right that's decision? That's negligence. I don't know. I don't think that's negligence. They found that's someone negligence. They, they'd already found someone they thought was good enough to trade up for that they thought was a quarterback to play. They did not Without, base this off of pro days. Come on, no, they did. No, but of... you've got it. You go through the whole, the whole thing. I think the pro sorry, day was the bullet. Much. The pro day it was doesn't, the bullet on the top. Doesn't take much. I, I think the it's negligence, and it's showing. It's showing. I don't think it's showing anything. We've not seen them play. <laughs> yeah, but this we, we do know that. They, yeah, but what we do know is that the organization's in a mess because it's there's a quarterback because controversy. Of the quarterback controversy because we're in yes, a mess last it's year. Part, it's partly due to the quarterback controversy that they're shit. No, that's the not, problem. I don't think it that's is the difference. This is the difference. This is the difference. The how organization Trey, on the oh, is, the organization on the field is a disaster. How is Trey and Lance contributed? Part, how has that got to do with Trey Lance? He's not. He's not contributed, and there's no guarantee that he'll be contributing to Shanahan moving forward. I, what happens if they want to sit him? What happens if they? Well, that's fine, and yeah. it was always the plan to shit, shit Jordan Love. But what, one thing that Green Bay are not going to do is bin their head coach, and then poor old Trey Lance is going to be lumped with whoever it could be. Now that is the key difference. I don't in think the, the Niners are going to beat Shanahan no. either. The whole well, I would say that he's on he shaky be. ground now. That's a I different conversation, but they're clearly invested in him. This is the thing; they're clearly long term. They've got long term contracts. That John Lynch and him are there for a period of time. The Chiefs moved up from Mahomes, and they sat him all year. They moved up yep. in the first round. Yep. The Packers moved up yep. in the first round for Jordan Love and they sat yep. him all year. So I yep. don't understand why it's any difference if we do the same with three, if they think we won that guy enough. Because it's number three. It's, it's why, that high. It's a premium. It's, it's, Cameron, it's not a premium pick. It's the out, It's one of the top three picks yes, in the draft. because it's number three. The teams like, will... Mo- Teams will mortgage their futures on it. They will mortgage their futures on it. And the other thing is, Kansas City and Green Bay proved that they were good teams, even though they could sit a rookie. San Francisco haven't been able to do last, that. Last and, the other, and the other thing, this is my final point on this. And then I'll go one my one. final point on the, on the Jordan Love pick in the comparison to San Francisco is that Green Bay have done this before. They did it with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. And look how that turned out. <laughs> good luck, San Francisco. <laughs> Paul, you know, I find it quite amusing that basically both of their arguments eventually boil down to my team are allowed to do this, but your team isn't. <laughs> no, my no, team no, are no. better. No, 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 no. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, I don't have any issues with the Jordan Love pick, but I, when the I'm same... Lo- oh, you do. I issue with the Jordan Love pick. He's <laughs> when this, not good. When the same thing's chucked back at me for a, 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 it's a, a matter of what, what did he go, 26th? 23 picks because we're being terrible last year, terrible this year. But the key word that you said there was, yes, the mortgage is the future because it's the future. It's not for now. It's for the future. Shanahan thinks he's there long term. Shanahan thinks he's there long term. He thinks that he can develop Lance into our quarterback for the future. And he and he gets he will get the chance to do it. Whether I think he should go or not, I think it's a mess. The first thing that will happen is they'll sack the defensive coordinator. They'll get a new guy in because they need to reinvigorate that defense. If they can do that, we'll start being a bit more competitive. That'll be done. Let's see where it goes from there. Anyway. For what it's worth, if we're, if we were talking about um, how bad poor old Jordan Love was. Um, I didn't think he was very good at all, but I don't think he was helped by the situation he was in. So, I'm, listen, uh, do I think he's going to be the franchise future quarterback? I don't think he's ready just now. If he was the if he was the star in August or September next year, which is eminently possible, then. 
you know, it's a coin flip. I think he's got loads of potential. He's a huge guy. He's clearly very mobile. He's got a great arm. He certainly showed towards the end of the game that he can make some nice passes. He clearly wasn't seeing the field. And he was in a situation whereby he was getting blitzed every second play. And we all know that's how to upset rookie quarterbacks. And he's essentially playing like a rookie quarterback. And again, the term rookie has been debated all week. That's what he was. He was in his first start. He's so, not eligible for rookie of the year. What, oh, it's a shame. Well, he's not going to win it, even if he was. So, Well, that's, that's fair. I, I look forward to the rest of this in the spin-off Packers 49ers oh my quarterback God. controversy podcast, which we'll, we'll bring to you in the summer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let, 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 let's move on. Let's grab some cheese and biscuits and move on. No, we all in agreement no with the NFL. The NFL has <laughs> more bags. Yes, definitely. Definitely. I'm I'm having my cheese and crackers, right? Congratulations to the NFL competition committee. You are the ball bags ball bag of week nine. And you'll probably be it again. Ah, right. Week ten. What's the headlines? What are you looking forward to? What games stand out as being the most entertaining and must-see television for this week? I think there's a couple. I mean, I think any, any of the teams that lost last week badly, you immediately want to see what they're going to do. So you're looking at Buffalo travel to the Jets, Dallas entertain Atlanta. That's a dangerous one for Dallas. I mean, to be fair to Dak Prescott, he'd missed one week and they were trying to say he was rusty. You know, come on. Uh, he had a bad game, and it was just really as simple as that. So you you look at those, you look at those games to see, you know, what is the bounce back? I think the season's on the line for Minnesota. I think if they go four and five, they've got a chance. If they go three and six, I think they're done. Um, you know, so I think there's some interesting games along the way, and then we've got that the battle of the two lowly teams as LA take on San Francisco on Monday Night Football. You know, you you've got to look for a big bounce back by LA against San Francisco. You know. Both coming off bad performances. This is what coaches will tell you they want to see. They want to see how your teams react to poor performances. Cleveland, Cleveland, New England, I think for me. Is that's the, the big, that's the biggest game of the week, I think. Yeah, and that, that's going to be really interesting because the Browns can run the ball. Their offensive line's in place to run the ball, but they don't have any running backs now. They're back. I think it's Dearness Johnson again because they've got three running backs now with COVID. Um... The Patriots very quietly at five and four, threatening to still be a factor in AFC East and also in the playoffs. Goes back to what I always say is like good teams find a way to stay at best relevant and often good. Them and the Steelers are good examples of that. I, I think that has the potential to be a great game. And if the Browns really are back on track, it's a game they have to win. I think Saints um Titans is a good game, really good game. Because um, the Saints have got to prove that they can actually um, still compete um, without Jameis. Let's be I honest, because they were doing fine with Jameis. I don't think um, the Titans actually are at seven and two. Like they're phenomenal. Most, they're so they're the, they are the toughest team in the league physically. Oh, that and that's that's the Vrabel thing. Like uh, yeah. that's just his personality. That's, they are. I mean, they they brutalized the Rams. So, Absolutely brutalized them. It's a good and, point, right? Of all the surprise results we had last week, was the Titans the most surprising? I think because he, they did well, I think it was very, very surprising that they were able to do to them defensively what no other team has been able to do to the Rams at all. And um, I mean, Arizona outplayed them across all four levels, but the Titans just bullied them. And the Titans have not had a defense really for the last five or six years. They were 
so leaky. And without, I, I think that they'll be fine without Derek Henry. They're going to win that division. And Derek Henry, if he comes yeah. back in January, fresh, having had two months off, um, and he's, he's he's broken his pinky, and it's, I think it's very painful from what I've read and from what I've heard. But he's going to be rested. And if they are if they are the number two or number three seed, then watch out because they're they are afraid of no team at all. They've they've you know they, they have beaten Baltimore and lost to Baltimore and they've been had close games with Baltimore in recent years. And those are the two teams in the AFC that are outstanding at the moment as Super Bowl contenders for me. I think the rest, but Buffalo, there's something wrong with Buffalo at the moment. And until they fix Four it, back. yeah. Well, I think Josh yeah, he's Allen not. Is more, and Stefan Diggs hasn't seen the ball players. at all, and the, yeah. he's dropped a level, Josh Allen, this year. And until they work that out, they are a level below the Titans and the Ravens. The AFC is a messy conference at the moment. The AFC, I, I think, if you look at what the AFC playoffs are going to be and what the NFC playoffs are going to be, the NFC playoffs right now look like a bunch of teams who throw the ball. You know, they've got some playmakers. You look at the AFC. AFC potential playoff field is just going to be wars of attrition every single week. You have Titans, Ravens, Steelers, Browns, Patriots, Bills, like teams that are just going to want to beat people up in January. Well, there's nine teams with five wins in the AFC on five and four or five and three. It's well, that's right. So the Ravens play the Dolphins this week and then they play the Bears the week after. One... I hate being the road team on Thursday night because you're playing a short week and you have to travel. Always makes me nervous. But these two games for the Ravens are so important because if you get to eight and two, their final seven games, they play five divisional games, the Rams and the Packers. That's a horrible final seven game stretch. Get two wins and get to eight and two. And if you go two and five, you're almost definitely in the playoffs. Three and four, you've got a good chance to win the division. Four and three are better and you're in the play for a number one seed. But lose one of these two games, and all of a sudden then you start thinking, right, okay, we've got to be about 500 in those games. And those are tough games. I think what's interesting, there's a couple of things that's interesting. I think the Titans-Saints is interesting, but for the reverse of what Charles says, I think when you're going to have a statement win like the Titans did, they can't afford to lose to a team like the Saints at home. I think that's a big... I think you're selling the state short. No, I'm, I'm... I watched every snap. I, I know. I, no, I, 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 I know. I know you've watched every snap of the Saints. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not but, discounting that. And I'm not. I'm not no. trying to belittle your opinion of the Saints. <laughs> what I'm trying to say to you is you're being a little bit harsh on them because you're a fan, and that happens. Like every yeah. every every Ravens flaw, I'm harsher on them. The Saints defensively are very good, and they have playmakers on offense, or they have a playmaker on offense. Because Ingram. I think Ingram's a playmaker still. Ingram, Ingram is Ingram's done at this point in his career, I think. But if Taysom Hill winds up, is Taysom Hill going to start this week, or is it Trevor Simeon again? Sim- Simeon, to me, didn't do didn't do enough wrong last week to, no, to make but, him not to start. The I problem also think I also think he you, can, you can create things with Taysom Hill as well. So yeah, I would, I would I, start Taysom. He's Hill's a weapon when they need weapons. Like for me, you take Hill out as being a receiver, and you're another receiver down. So who does Hill throw to? At least with Hill there as a receiver. Simeon can throw to him. Hill can Beckham. come and do your trick, please. And and uh, Odell Beckham Jr. when he lands Beckham. in New Orleans. <laughs> yeah, I, I think the the other thing we're talking about the playoffs and and if they were to take place, you know, today. I mean, I don't think any of us here would have on you know week one had the Chiefs outside of the playoffs, and no. they are. You and know, the, the and Chiefs, I think that, that's a surprise. The Chiefs 
struggles are fascinating. And there's talk that it's the play calling, there's talk that it's Mahomes. Obviously, the defense is terrible. One of the things that teams are pretty much exclusively playing two deep safeties against them and aren't blitzing Mahomes pretty much at all. The Ravens, the last time they played before this year, blitz Mahomes loads, dialed it all the way back. And what teams are effectively doing is saying, we're not going to let Tyreek Hill beat us deep. You need to find ways to win in the middle of the field. Travis Kelsey hasn't played that well. He's having a down year for him. And no other receiver for the Chiefs is stepping up in that regard. Their offensive line isn't playing particularly well. They, they traded for Orlando Brown from the Ravens, and they're asking Orlando Brown to drop back on eight-step dropbacks, which is something they didn't do in four years or three years in Baltimore. Very different system, very offensive tackle friendly. And a lot of the decisions they've made have made them rely on now getting the lucky Mahomes plays or the really flashy Mahomes plays. Just You can't build success in that in the NFL. You need to build success on the fundamentals of, you know, moving down the field, chipping away. And all your big plays and stuff become the things that they are the things that turn that seven-point win into a 15-point win. They don't run the ball. They don't know how to run the ball. They never have done. And they, they, they drafted Clive edwards earlier last year and he's injured at the moment. But I think he's coming back this week. He's also yeah. he's not good. He's not. He's, never, he's not very good. He's all. He's all right. He's serviceable, but he's not that great. And you look at the teams that are being successful at the moment are running the ball pretty well. Whether you're running it with your quarterback or you're running it with a two-headed monster at the back. And so look at Arizona. Arizona's running back department. Nobody would have looked at that at the start of the season and thought actually this is going to be one of the keys to our success. James Connor, who was diabolical last year in Pittsburgh is having a terrific season alongside Chase Edmonds, who unfortunately I think is now injured and is going to be out for a few weeks. Green Bay's running backs are working in tandem and they're working really well. Cleveland's running backs are working extremely well. Minnesota would have won that game, I think, at the weekend had they utilised Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison better because those are two great running backs there. And yet Cook had one big play and that was about it. Ultimately, the Chiefs are not going to be successful if they don't find the patience. And they had all this lateral movement, all so, so many different moving parts that people couldn't keep up with it. The league moves on. The league's caught up to that. And so they have to reinvent themselves. And actually, Mahomes, Mahomes was always a splashy player. He never came across as someone who could game manage. And actually, he needs to game manage. And at the moment, he's not doing that. This is why Beckham, I think, could be a good sign for that. Because... Tyreek Hill is your deep threat. Travis Kelsey isn't doing what you need him to do in the middle of the field just now. Have another player who can run slants, run those in-breaking routes that can cause problems for defence in the middle of the field. If defences are giving you... The, the second half in the Ravens-Vikings game, there was a great quote from either Lamar Jackson or Marquise Brown after the game. And they asked, what changed in the second half? Because you put a way more yardage. And what changed was they started taking what the Vikings were giving. The Vikings were sitting off of Marquise Brown and saying, we're not going to let you beat us deep. So all of a sudden, what they started doing was having Marquise Brown run deep and come back on the little hitch routes. And he was then turning upfield and gaining 15 yards or so. Not those big down deep field, deep downfield passes. If people are willing to give you seven yards on a pass play and first down in the NFL, take it. And that's what the Chiefs need to get better at. Yes, indeed. Um, I think... Another game that's maybe getting lost in this is the the 
the Seahawks Packers one. Uh, and I guess it depends on who's actually playing in it. Because Russell Wilson's back. We've seen his promo video. The pin is out. <laughs> Stick it in my eye, please. Sur- surprised um, you never nominated him this week. No, I find that. Well, he didn't play, so he's not technically allowed. Yeah. Um, no, listen, you don't have to play to be a ball bag. Um, the, I've, yeah. I've, I've taken my feedback from Gordon and I'm, I'm sitting on it for a couple of weeks. Um, but genuinely, I think Packers, Seahawks, if Rodgers comes back, if he is able to return, uh, and if it's Wilson v's Rodgers, that's a thriller. Absolute thriller. Look forward to it. See, um, so the Seahawks are not a very good team. I, with so... Russell Wilson, they are. With Russell Wilson, they can damage you. And I think if Russell Wilson's back, you're going to see Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf have great games. Um because I think that the Packers are very good on one side of the secondary and the other side's not as strong. I think Wilson's going to... There's no way you put out that promo video of your great return, like the Undertaker rising out of the casket from his wee broken finger. Broke my finger, I'm coming back. Um, there's no way you put that promo video out and don't go out and ball. Because if you do, you look like a dick. So he's balling, right? He's playing and he's hitting 350 yards plus and at least four throwing touchdowns. So he's not got a very good record in uh, in Green Bay. But he's got a very poor record. In fact, I, I, I listen. If I, if Rod, if Jordan Love plays this weekend, all bets are off. Don't ask me what the score is going to be. I've got no idea. It looks like Rogers is going to be back, but he's not due to be available until Saturday. Um, I'm, I'm looking at some of the, the media that they're doing this afternoon, and Matt LaFleur says that he's going to be in on video sessions this afternoon and things. But it was interesting, Devontae Adams was speaking today, and he said, you know, he sat on his couch for nine days on COVID a couple of weeks ago. When he came back last Thursday, he was just told to ride a bike for a day because he's lost nine, ten days' worth of stamina. He did no prep for that game at the weekend. And he is admitting now, even a week after being back, that he's still physically taxed. Rogers was on the the show with um, Pat McAfee yesterday and admitted that he, he has to kind of think about how he's going to feel physically. He has clearly had COVID and he has clearly felt the effects of it. it, it so, so do you remember last year, the whole, like the joke about Lamar Jackson running off to go to the toilet in the Browns yeah. game because he was cramping? And the only reason why I think he probably actually wasn't doing the toilet and he genuinely had cramps is because he wasn't long back off of having COVID at that point. Mm. And that was a game that went to overtime. It was like a game where he was on the field loads, running loads and all those things. Definitely think if you if you have COVID and you have enough symptoms that it gives you some serious problems, not to the point you're in hospital. If you're an athlete, that's not something that, you know, you're back after two weeks. A lot of guys, it's not going to be just two weeks. It's going to be two weeks plus maybe three weeks where you're not at 100%. Yeah. Unfortunately, Rogers doesn't run around like Lamar, but if he just has to stand in the pocket and make make throws, then, then that's fine. But it's not going to, they're not going to be in sync. They have, he's been playing within himself all season. I, I, I still think that they've got more than enough, more than enough to beat Seattle at home as well. And they're not in a bad position at all. Seattle are just about, they have to win this game or they're done in the so NFC. That's the only thing that would worry me. They're, they're like a little bit they're of desperate. a wounded they're, dog. Yeah, they're desperate. desperate. Interesting storylines coming up. Anything else that you guys want to cover before we wrap for episode 169? We do need to still pick our winners um, and all that jazz, but any other topics 
We are trying to stretch this out so that Odell Beckham can bloody tell us where he's going so we could talk about it. But it doesn't look like it's going to happen while we're recording this. Well, I, th- I think I can speak for myself and Paul where if he signs for either the, the Packers or the Saints between now and midnight after recording, we are not coming back on to re-record 10 minutes reacting no. to it. They can take him. <laughs> I want him to go to the Chiefs. Just go to the Chiefs. Stay away from the interesting, the, the interesting team that I keep seeing now is... Patriots. Yeah, that, yeah. that's Belichick the name. Apparently wants him, and they they need they need a wide receiver as well, so that could work. Actually, one ball bag nomination we should have put in was the Detroit Lions for not claiming them off waivers just for the sheer utter heck funniness of it. <laughs> uh, because that that would have been an absolute hoot if they'd gone through and tried to do that. That would have been funny, uh, but unfortunately they didn't. Hey ho. What we do need to do is pick some winners for the awards this week. Um, so who wants to take the the belter, first of all? Uh, Mitchell, you've not done the belter for a while. So you can pick... The numbers are between 1 and 42 this week. Well, given that 42 is the answer to everything, uh, 42. <laughs> so congratulations to Paul O'Shea. You are the lucky winner of a Loch Lomond bottle of uh, NFL Scotland whiskey and two NFL Scotland tumblers. And for the Bobag nomination, I'm going to give this to Patterson for being a Bobag tonight. Because just, yeah, that's my last shot. <laughs> brutal. Absolutely brutal. <laughs> Um, well, I think given that his status is still up in the air as we record this, um, Mr. Beckham's number 13. So George Jackson. So congratulations to George Jackson. George, you win a pair of Bobags underwear, courtesy of the great people at Bobags. Um, one other thing to mention as well. Um, I, You'll have seen on Twitter that we posted out a picture of what I've been snacking and drinking on. I have been sampling, as we've been doing this podcast, a lovely 12-year-old Loch Lomond Inchbone Smoke and Spice. I do like my peated whiskies. There are this cracking range of whiskies available from Loch Lomond Single Malts. Um, and during the month of November, you can use the code NFL Scotland on the Loch Lomond website to get 10% off all your purchases. So make sure that you get on there and get your Christmas shopping done now. Buy something nice for yourself. Some great uh, whiskies there. So, yep, NFL Scotland on the Loch Lomond website for 10% off throughout the month of November. Last thing that we need to do then is we need to just give a quick update on the Bonnie Sauce Company pick King or Queen of Scotland. We always give the top 10. Guys, you'll be pleased to hear that my name will not be mentioned as I've fallen out of that range. But let's see how we're doing so far. And sitting at the top at the moment, as we're nine weeks in, can't believe it's nine weeks in. I'm padding this out because I haven't... The suspense the is killing us here. So, um, <laughs> uh, up in top, outright number one, Dumfries Demons. With 93 correct predictions so far. Doers picks one and Jerry Bowlers are in tied second. With Fields of Dreams, PNB Spain, Juju's Dance Studio and Mark Bavaro's Disco Pants all tied fourth. Airdrie Giants, Confused Cowboy and Dave Pearson all in tied eighth with 90 correct. And then a bunch of people, a whole bunch of people after that. Do remember to make your picks. Thank you once again to the people at Bonnie Sauce for sponsoring that. 
Okay, but I think that is the full-time whistle for episode 169 of the NFL Scotland podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this utter drivel. Do share your thoughts on this in every episode on social media, at Scotland NFL on Twitter, and search for NFL Scotland on Facebook. Yeah, certainly a few personal foul flags have been thrown on this one of the NFL referees. We are around my thanks to Charles Patterson, to Gordon McGuinness, and to Cameron Hobbs. Do check out all our social media channels on our website as well. Enjoy week 10, some great games coming up. But for me, on behalf of all the team, bye for now. <laughs>